welcome to Impala's podcast series, 20 Minutes With. I am your host, Juliana Carantin, and today we honor two pioneers of the international independent music sector, Michelle Lambeau and Kenny Gates. They are the two co-founders of PS Group, one of the world's largest independent music companies, as well as a major artist and label services provider. They have just received the Impala Outstanding Contribution Award to highlight their efforts promoting and developing diversity of European independent music over the last 40 years. Michelle and Kenny join us to reflect on 40 exhilarating birthdays in the independent sector, the challenges faced over the years and the inventive solutions they developed. Established in 1982 from a basement in Brussels, when it was known as Play It Again Sam, PS has grown from an original importer of vinyl records by UK independent labels into a key European recording, marketing and distribution outlet. Today, with 19 offices and 280 employees active globally, PS celebrates its 40th anniversary with a back-to-back schedule of releases and special live events to pay homage to four decades of considerable success and outreach. May I ask our listeners to join me in saying, Happy Anniversary, PS, and congratulations for the well-deserved Impala Award. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Hi, Juliana. Happy to see you again. I'm Love very to fortunate to have this, this podcast now because it, it you know, it really speaks to me to receive the Zimpana Awards and, and talking about it and talking about PS. It's something very, very important. Thank you. Excellent. I'm looking forward to chatting about that too. And welcome back to the show, Kenny. Thank you, Juliana. I'll Excellent. try to be as elaborate and uh, articulate as possible. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this conversation. That's for definite. Now, let's have a quick recap of how PS has grown over the last decades. Let's begin with PS's formative years, Michelle. Could you tell us how this adventure started and what initial challenges you faced? Cash. (laughs) (laughs) That universal conundrum. No, no, yes. And it's been the same challenge over the last 40 years. So uh, nothing changed. (laughs) It was cash at the start and it's still cash now. For different reasons. But How did it start? How did it start? César wrote that money is the nerve of the of the war. It's been that for us as well. Certainly doing something bankers do not really like, which is publishing music. And in addition to cash, were there other challenges starting from scratch like that? Every day is a challenge, Juliana. <laughs> and the challenge is to reinvent yourself and try and read the market and change all the time. The humankind doesn't like change. And in our business, in the last 40 years, it's all, a be, it's all, it's all been about changing, adapting, thinking ahead, and trying to, um, to adapt to every change. And that's the, cha- the real challenge, as well as money. Uh, of course, because, um, yes, we are in a very competitive market. So when you and Michelle decided that having got us to a certain point that there was no turning back, 
How did you envisage Pierce would grow? And what milestones do you remember to be crucial for Pierce's development? Can you comment on that, Kenny? Growing is, is a word that's been invented by the financial community uh, to create value for the investors. I don't, it's a word I don't like, and we've never used that word. What we wanted to do is expand our dreams and try and create a company that reflects a culture in a pan-European way. And it's been about climbing a mountain without really knowing where, where we were going to end. And still today, there's no end in, in sight. So, but sometimes when you, you, you only look upwards and you look behind you and you see how, how much, how deep it is. And if there's a fall, how painful it can be and how much you've climbed up in these years, you know, it's a bit scary. But it's not about growth, it's about, you know, it's about doing, um, having a set of values and having a, a vision and trying to achieve that vision. Obviously, your demands and expectations have changed over the years, as have the key adaptations necessary for peers to cement its position within the market. In terms of building capacity, Michelle, where did the motivation lie to expand Pierce's operations across Europe and beyond? There was no plan except, you know, making sure we were reaching the best access to market for all artists and different music we felt was worth producing. One turning point for me was the day I found out that it was one day at a time and that trying to figure out what would be the future was lots of anxiety creating angst and looking at the past wasn't changing the future either. We have been over the last 40 years confronted by unexpected challenges. The mountain was even higher than, than we felt, this can be explained. It's never been to be on the top of the mountain, it's just make sure that every day we were moving up to a stage where we felt it was important for the missions we gave us for one day at a time. Right. And was that also geographically in terms of the countries you expanded into? Was that also one country at a time? No, it was um, one obligation at a time. Interesting. We so moved to Holland for a number of reasons, which was really down to um, the longevity of Piast, because in Belgium we would have suffered being in the small part of the Benelux, and we had to move to Benelux when we opened in in France, because we were fed up working with failed and bankrupt distribution companies, and one and one and one, it always been like, um, what do we do next to make sure our company and our artists are better served and survive? And how about the US and Australia? Because that would then be taking you outside Europe. What drove those decisions? Well, the world, the world has become much smaller, Juliana, for a record label, as Michelle was explaining. And for a music company, we, we've always wanted to make promises to our business partners or, or to our artists. And to make a promise, you need to be able to keep it. And to keep it, you need to be in the control to, 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 to live up to the expectations you've created. That's why we've always wanted to try and have a presence in every, every territory to make sure that it's a PS person representing our artists or our labels. And, and the same applies for America and, um, and Australia. America is a big market. It's a very important market. We've had several attempts to try and, and establish ourselves in, in America. The, the first 
time was in 1989 with a, a defunct label called Wax Tracks and all our inventory was in their basement and they had the flooding. And when I asked the question, so what does the insurance say? The owner of the company said, uh, of Waxrack said, well, we had no insurance. So that was the end of PS America first version. There's been a few a few versions, but um, in the last five years, we've very well established now. We've done incredible good work, I think, with an incredible artist called Arlo Parks. And it's important to be able to be everywhere. And America is important. So. It's a small world, as I said, and Australia was also based on an opportunity where the uh, the shareholders and the principals of uh, Inertia came to us and said, we, we really need a partner and we need, uh, we, need we, we want to sell the company. We would like to make sure that uh, the legacy of the company and the, color, uh, the culture of the company is kept and we'd like to do this with like-minded people. You know, to cut a long story short, we did uh, buy Inertia back in 2015, I think. So we have a very big presence in Australia as well. And that's it, really. That's America and Australia. It's based on opportunity and need to, to have a worldwide presence. And the same happened with musical genres. It's the same motivation and, and legacy that authorizes to acquire Armonia Mundi in the classical world. Hey. So it's, it's one day at a time. One day at a time. I love that. Now, Michelle, stay with you a bit longer. You were instrumental in founding Impala as well. Did the experience of understanding the challenges other independents were facing across Europe influence the development strategy for peers in the region? The both of us have always estimated that, that running a record label or a distribution company was being in the real world. And then we had to look at you know, all the problems being IT, finance, or logistics, as well as politics, because laws are very important in the copyright world. It all started, and remember, with the Belgium chart. We had an artist, very, very uh, Joe Division-like, that should have been in the top five, and they were not in the top five. Wow. So we went public saying, this chart is bullshit. And we, we were called by IFPI saying, why do you go public? I mean, you're not part of IFPI, so you can't be in the chart. <laughs> so, we, so automatically, we had um, we had a say in in the fact that organizations and laws are making ever influence on your on your life and your artist, and and mm-hmm. we've been doing the same for every year. And one day we realized that we were blocked on a certain areas of our business. The fact that indies were not completely guests to the table in the same way as majors were. So we said we need Impana, and we create Impana. It's very easy, in fact. The problems comes after the decision, not before. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly impressed with your determination and tenacity to just keep going, whatever the obstacles. And it's no wonder that the company is experiencing an incredible amount of longevity in the business. How do you both feel about this anniversary? What has been the biggest lesson learned over the 40 years? And what's the one thing you wish you knew before you started? Let's start with you, Michelle. Long working weeks and long working hours. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea that you know it would take you know working from early morning to late evening, seven days a week. It wasn't expected. And I, I wish I would have been told before, maybe I would have done another job. 
what was the key lesson that you learned from all that experience? What, what, what would you say made it all worthwhile? Creativity is always a solution for every problem. And resilience, especially as Kim said before, we've been bankrupt virtually so many times that uh, when you are, um, I mean, first of all, I think you need to, to believe and, and to realize that when success is there, that they're going to be followed by bad days. It's going to be difficult. And when you're down, down the drain, that you can't go, you can't go below. So obviously it's going to be better tomorrow. And yeah, resilience is probably, um, and being too, when one is a bit down, the others is a bit up and it's been very, very important. Kenny. What has been the biggest lesson you learned and what's the one thing you wish you knew before you started working? To learn from my mistakes and our mistakes. Mistakes made are almost important, as important as, um, as anything else because uh, it's part of a process, um, especially when we didn't know what we were doing and we might still not know what we're doing, but um, we just go by our instincts and, uh, and by the knowledge we've acquired. So um, it's been a roller coaster, as Michelle said. You know, it's been some good moments, bad moments, but you should never rest on your on your laurels. That's that's the big lesson learned in this business. Because again, everything changes all the time, and if you stay still, you go backwards. So we have to challenge ourselves all the time, question ourselves all the time. It's quite tiring not to be able to just rest from time to time, but it also keeps us younger and hungrier uh, and we still have the hunger and we still have the urge to uh, to achieve uh, the impossible so as long as that remains then uh, you know we'll still be uh, together and we'll still celebrate uh, anniversaries like this one these are incredible tips and will certainly inspire our listeners i'm sure now that you have hit this fabulous 40 milestone how is Pia celebrating? I hear you've had a great party in Brussels already, Kenny. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you know, the, the idea was just after the lockdown and COVID and all that, we used to have a yearly international conference. And in our company, it's very important, the human aspect of meeting and greeting and having drinks together and socializing has always been a very important aspect of uh, the culture of the company. And this company has been successful, certainly not thanks to Michelle and myself, but mainly because there's a, a community of, of like-minded executives and employees and staff and people who, who make this company successful. And they, they've missed the meet and greet and uh, laugh together so much that we thought, uh, let's just bring them all into this party. And there's nothing special about it. but. Um, but apart from just uh, being together, listening to music, having drinks, there's been a few. The excuse is a conference uh, where we make a few presentations, but really uh, the underlining idea is for us to uh, have a good laugh together. And that was, uh, that was successful. And I hear you're also, this is going to be a book of anecdotes, live events. Yes. You know, the. The 40 years is also an opportunity to look back at our catalogue and, and re-release some gems that were forgotten about or 
that deserve um, a, a new a new life. And so we're going to re-release 40, 50 pieces of our catalog. And that's very exciting. And yes, the book is a promise I'm trying to make, to put pressure on myself to uh, to make it happen. Uh, but I've started to um, to tell the story of the company. I've only done 10 years. I've got another 30 years to do. I can promise you it won't be published very soon, but I, I'd like to promise you it will be published one day. And Kenny, quickly, I hear there's also going to be a website, a sort of like a campaign to let everybody know about the 40 years. Yes, you know, some it's up. awareness. You should okay. check it out. Okay, well, I'll direct the, yeah, our the listeners ideas, to go and have a look know, as well. Pollinate it with some old photos and, um, and try and, uh, and have a site with people who've uh, been with us for 40 years or who came and, and went and, uh, can go and um, and look at the photos and uh, remember the good moments. So we don't take photos of the bad moments. Excellent. There was there's not a photo of Michelle and I in a room saying, "Oh my God, how are we going to pay our bills tomorrow?" <laughs> well, it seems like you both are pretty used to getting awards, especially since Piers also was honoured in London at the AIM Music Awards for being the indie champion. Michelle, how do you feel about getting Impala's Outstanding Contribution Award? As I said at the beginning of this podcast, I mean, for me, it's something really, really, it, it touches God, it's important. It's a kind of consecration. We try to build class together. I think we can say we're reasonably successful and getting an award for that is very important. Also, that it was always important to modify the structure of independent world and and to make sure that Indies were working together. And Impala was key for that. So getting an award for Impala is again very, very important. Well you, and Kenny, you know, how do you feel about the award? From an era where, you know, being awarded was not cool and felt embarrassing. And um and as I said in my speech, you know, I don't like awards uh, except when I get one. So there is this mixed feeling in me of embarrassment, <laughs> also pride. And okay, you know, let, let, I will allow the pride to take over because after all, we probably deserve it. And if there are awards altogether uh, that exist, we probably humbly, like many others, deserve, deserve it. So as Michelle says, it's a recognition and it's always good to be recognized because we've, uh, we've tried to do things uh, in a good way for the last 40 years and um, and uh, try to stick by, by our values. And um, and therefore, yeah, thank you very much. I'm very, very happy. Well, after hearing your story, it is no wonder that the Impala accolade is more than well-deserved. Okay, Michelle, Kenny, it's time for our popular quickfire questions. Five questions in five minutes. Here we go. Starting with Michelle. What are the three things that stand out for you in the last 12 months? Belgium copyright law. It's a very bad law. And uh, it's been a lesson for me about the arrogance of the politicians uh, writing laws about the sector without even trying to have conversation with the people. This law will change or modify the serious impact on their life. And it's a big regret. Hello, Parks. It's been a 
fantastic year and and I'm so proud of what you know she's achieved and what we helped her to achieve. And the last bit is post-COVID is traveling again. I mean, I decided in January that I would try to live my life as normal, meaning post-pre-COVID and meeting friends and meeting meeting collaborators and meeting business partners and artists all over the world. It's been, a, it's been good to be normal again. <laughs> and Kenny, what are the three things that stand out for you in the last 12 months? I was going to say Arlo Parks as well because it's a great story. It's a great achievement. It's a... Beyond the success, it's a lovely artist and a great collaboration with the management and Transgressive. What I think is bugging me is is the invasion of the tech and finance world in our business that is skewing a lot of things in in how how the business is uh, is evolving, and that's pretty scary to me. The third thing is uh, our partnership with Universal, which raised a few eyebrows but uh, was basically a big step in, um, in the history of the company and an important one. Michelle, what are your priorities for the future? Planting trees. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I just want you know plant more trees next year than I did last year. I think it's important for me and for the Kenneth. Looking, trying to understand the implication of interest rate growing on the financial community, buying copyrights, I think, and I hope it will help the bubble to burst because I think it's a serious threat to our business. It's the, uh, uh, you know, this invasion of, of financial people who don't understand what, in, what the copyright means is very, very scary. And then uh, trying the year to consolidate gas. Kenny, what are your priorities for the future? Nothing, nothing should change. We should just remain ourselves and, and keep... Uh, adapting to the to the everyday change of of the world and our industry and my priority is also to keep uh, discovering new talent and try to expose it in the best way possible with our great uh, a, great, a great team at PS. Staying with you Kenny what are you often heard saying? Fuck off. Enough said. And Michelle what are you often heard saying? It's more complicated than you believe it is. Which means really bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, what's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? Find a Kenny Gates and marry him. It's a good way to success. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny, what's your one piece of advice for someone considering a career in music? Don't chase success. Uh, stay in for the long haul. Be patient. Be resilient. And if you stick to your values, success will come to you. Don't chase it. What's on your playlist at the moment, Michelle? Marky Moon by television. 100 Piano Masterpiece on Amonia Mundi's box set. The Entire Cave discography, one by one. Arno last album for numbers of reasons, including some very personal ones. And a small newcomer, which is not on cast, but should be. A Flemish artist called Mesker Mez. Kenny, what's on your playlist? I've got this song from Confidence Man. I saw them last week at Coco and the Holiday. That song is just haunting me. It's an endless loop in my in my head. The, the, the chorus of uh, Holiday of uh, Confidence Man. This morning, uh, while doing my 
workout, that's why I was a bit late as well, I was listening to an album by Neil Diamond, and I never thought I would like Neil Diamond. It was quite, it was quite nice. Apart from that, in the last five, six years, I've become more and more a fan of, of jazz and, you know, albums by um, Donald Byrd or Sonny Rollins or Clifford Brown or Hank Mobley, Tillinius Monk, of course, and Wes Montgomery have been haunting my, my turntable. I only listen to vinyl. I don't listen to much CDs anymore. And, uh, of course, streaming. Um, I've got lots of playlists. I make playlists all the time of the music I love. Michelle Kenny, it has been a real thrill to have you both back on 20 Minutes With to celebrate PS's 40th anniversary. And congratulations for winning the Impala Outstanding Contributions Award. Bravo. Thank you, Juliana. Thank you for having it. And, uh, and again, I'm very, very pleased to have done this podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Juliana. Uh, it was a pleasure to answer your questions. I'm very proud of this award and very proud of the achievement of Impala altogether. It shows that a community can together are stronger and create some can create some incredible achievements. <laughs>